sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. What a stop! Just for Ben! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's, he's, say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. Your commitment to the Friday Football Podcast is nothing short of shocking. Uh, Nathan Murphy is outside. This is well, actually, at everyone this week. I feel a bit this week as if remember George Bush when he came towards the end of his presidential reign that he was kind of tripping around the world. He was off to Hawaii. Which one? Uh, the latter. The latter. Yeah. That he just really couldn't give him two tosses about his job, and I kind of feel that the attitude to the Friday Football Podcast this week. Has been exactly that. How exactly is that the case? Well, primarily I'll point to Nathan Murphy outside the door two minutes ago doing in-depth uh, research for the next half an hour's chat by reading the Star, which, oh, by the way, which is not, I'm not today's current affairs. Not necessarily a bad thing to be reading the Star. He was reading it from the front in, and it's also missing most of the inside. So uh, yeah. I just question what you're bringing to the table all here. All of our Premier League coverage is brought to you, but thanks the to the Daily Irish Mirror. Mirror. Great paper. <laughs> I, I really super loved that paper too. I just could, this is what was outside the door. I picked it up, I had a quick look, flick through. Yeah, you were finding it difficult to get past the first few pages, I think. Is Kick why. City out of Europe. I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known this was Arsene Wenger's view, unless I just picked up the paper. And also feeding into the uh, my George Bush theory is kind of... Partly related to myself, I haven't bothered my backside uh, this week uh, to do a tally of last week's what people had predicted. I'm pretty certain I got them all. It was first oh, yeah. ever ten out you of ten. You predicted a Sunderland victory over at Old Trafford, did you? Sir, well, that, <laughs> maybe Crystal Palace drawing with Liverpool was the one I didn't predict. <laughs> yeah, there was a few curveballs in there, all right. Um, and the I suppose the plus for this week for well for our listeners probably. Mainly, Jer's not here. Um, <laughs> I guess your boss. Uh, is that uh, this is the final football podcast, Friday football podcast of the season? Yeah, let's get all weepy. Um, it will be replaced by the GA, the yes. Friday. I don't, we haven't come up with a name yet. The Friday GA podcast. That kind of seems to work. Genius. Yeah. Absolute genius. That's wow. why they pay Barry the big dollars. This is, this is a real think uh, tank that's going, on, that's going on here right now. Um, so it will be replaced by the Friday GEA podcast. We've just given it its name. So never fear. Um, that'll be back, be in, back. Its, in its stead next season, uh, next week, because that's where we're at. So, And the other flip side of that as well is, this is my point that I'm trying to get to, that we can predict, predict whatever the hell you want to predict. Because we're never going to, you're never going to be held to account over these predictions. So make them as crazy as you as you uh, as you so well, see there's, fit. There's usually only three options, so you can't go too crazy. <laughs> oh, sometimes they can be quite crazy. Sometimes they can be quite crazy indeed. Um, although you've done pretty well, Nathan, since your introduction to the Friday Football Thank Podcast. You. Well, a few I weeks have back. raised the bar throughout New South. No, no, sorry, that wasn't what I was getting oh, to sorry. at all. You just have done well in the predictions uh, front. Um, raising the bar hasn't really come into it very much. Um, Manchester City have done particularly well to. I, have, have, they, have they raised the bar of Premier League football this season I don't really think, feel that they have but I have felt that they have kind of stumbled over the line and a lot of uh, discussion about Manuel Pellegrini and a few weeks back that this guy he just really hasn't got it, what it's got when it comes to the Premier League he doesn't seem to get it um, uh, a guy who I was reading this week hasn't won a domestic title since River Plate in Argentina in 2003 but he's done a pretty uh, amazing job people tend to forget this is Manuel Pellegrini's first year in charge of Manchester City. See, you said there he doesn't, the general feeling is he doesn't get the Premier League. And I think by that, they mean 
He gives incredibly boring press conferences. Where's the drama with Manchester City this season? There's been none. Mm. It's all been Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United's collapse. Bring Tim back Sherwood going crazy. Well, Manchester City fans won't want Mancini mm. back. What he's he's done the perfect job. City should have won the league last season. They had a pretty similar squad mm. of players, but they were divided by their manager. Pellegrini has done the right thing. Almost the opposite of Mourinho. Mourinho goes into a club and says, I'm a great manager. I'll make you a great players. Pellegrini maybe goes in and goes, you're great players. Just go and do it and I will be a great manager if you just sit back, let them express themselves. They've had a huge amount of injuries. So a great stat on Sky during the week of that their spine has only played six times together all season. So Hart, Company, Toure, Aguero. They've only played six league games together. Mostly due season. to injury as opposed well, to any uh, direct tactic from Pellegrini. Obviously. No, but they won all six of those games. So we hear Arsene Wenger saying if, if, if this had happened, if this had happened. Manchester City, they've had their setbacks. They arguably the second best player in the league, or second best striker in the league after Suarez, Sergio Aguero, has missed a huge chunk of the season. He scores a goal a game when he plays. Pellegrini's never really complained. And I know people will say, yeah, but they spent how much money on Negredo during the summer and Jovetic that they spent a huge amount of money to have this backup. But it still worked. Mm. I think he's just gone very quietly about his business. They play brilliant football. Remember, up until, I think it was the defeat to che- at home to Chelsea, they'd won every home game. And we were speaking about City in similar terms that we're talking about Liverpool now and this wonderful, flowing, attacking football they played. That was a setback. And he was out tactic by Jose that night. Received a lot of criticism. But I think for the majority of the season, they've played brilliant football. They've been great to watch. Okay, they've gone about it pretty quietly. But if they win the league, they'd be fully deserving champions. The uh, perfect job... Is the sentiment that's coming from uh, Nathan Murphy there, Dave McIntyre? I don't think he's quite on the perfect job. You said they've stumbled over the line. I think that's a little bit harsh. They've effectively won the league with a game to spare. They've scored 100 goals and they've only conceded 37. So they, haven't strode, they haven't, no, they haven't, strode, they haven't strode to the Premier League title. They've, no, they haven't strode to it. I, I, that, that's my inference of stumbling. Football. Three of their six defeats came in the first 10 games of the season when they were away from home. Terrible performances at Cardiff and Aston Villa, which stand out most. The one criticism I would have of them is that the record against the big teams has been dreadful. They've been beaten home away by Chelsea. They could well and maybe should have been beaten by Liverpool at the Etihad. Were beaten by Liverpool away from home. Mm. They went to an Arsenal team that were really struggling, desperately struggling, and could only leave with a draw despite having taken the lead. So I think City should have shown more against the bigger teams. Although I was at the game at Anfield when they were beaten by Liverpool. The character they showed in the second half to come back from a whirlwind that Liverpool had inflicted on nearly every team in that run of, was it 11 or 12 consecutive victories? 11. 11. But overall, I think they've been the best team in the Premier League this season, and that's probably why they're going to win it on Sunday. And as Nathan said, I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you've spent. Look at the Kilkenny Hurlers over the last 10 years. We talk about the amount of under-21 and minor teams, just a conveyor belt of talent coming through. They started to struggle when you took Henry Shefflin out of the team, for example. It doesn't matter how much money you've spent. If you're missing your best players, you're going to struggle, whether it's a billion you've spent or mm. 10 million you've spent. Take Aguero and Torre and company out of the team, you're going to be in serious trouble. Um, yeah, we did manage to get to rugby in the Friday Football Podcast last week and we're seven minutes into uh, this week's and McIntyre's already well, ventured into the world. He's already 14 uh, of uh, Kilkenny's starting team. Kilkenny, a one-man team, is that your... You're not going to be that's here next week That's kind of the line. That's the, news line. that's the news line I'm getting out of I only mentioned Henry, but I'm, you could easily make the case for Michael Fennelly, for Michael Rice. Um, JJ Delaney was injured. Take those boys out of the team. And yeah, mm. they've got brilliant up-and-coming players, but those boys are too good not to inflict major damage in the team when they're absent. And it's the same thing with City. Yeah, they spent seven, eight hundred million. 
Would you lose company, you lose Torre, you lose Aguero? It doesn't really matter what's coming up behind them. It's going to damage you. Thanks, Dave, for your insight into uh, Championship 2014. No problem. Um, a week ahead of yourself. Um, Martin Dimichelis has been one of the players, obviously, that's been discussed over the last little while. And it turns out that actually Martin Dimichelis, who spent, I think, 10 years at Bayern Munich or thereabouts, has an ability, funnily enough, to play football. And over the last little while has kind of proven that he's maybe not the... Uh, manic presence in the Manchester City defence that people kind of had, uh, thought that he was. Interesting enough, I was reading uh, Rio Ferdinand writing about uh, Nemanja Vidic on his Facebook uh, during the week um, and he said about how Vidic over the first while, he wasn't overly convinced by uh, Nemanja Vidic when he arrived in the first few training sessions. He thought, well, I'm not really sure this guy's cut out to be a Manchester United player, but obviously after some time, it became clear that, that it was a relationship where they could work together and it kind of got me to thinking that I think the Dimichelis example is slightly larger in that Ferdinand was talking about a few training sessions whereas Dimichelis was managing to get Manchester City jumped out of the Champions League and other um, and, no, and, and no. to lose Vincent, matches in the Vincent Premier League. Was at fault. But my point would be that I wonder I wonder if it just takes time, particularly in that position where, where Dimichelis was, he was he was being played in midfield for a while as well. Ever both arrived in the January transfer window, and I was unconvinced at the time as well because they just didn't play well in that first six first six months. They were beaten by AC Milan in a Champions League semi final in two thousand and seven, and particularly away from home, the back four were dreadful. Evra and Vidic looked like they weren't up to it. But since then, and once you get a real pre-season under your belt, and Di Michaelis arrived in after City completed their pre-season, he'd, the, the situation with his club was an absolute mess because he was all over the place before he arrived. And maybe it does just take a bit of time. I'm not saying he's world-class, though, by any manner of means. Well, How old is he, 30, 31, 32? I think he could be 33. Mm. He's older than 32, so there's, anyway. There's a huge difference between Vidic going in as, as a yeah. youngster and on the verge of hitting his peak Dimichelis' best years are behind him I, I don't think he's been as bad as has been made out but it's just that who else are they going to blame the media love company they're not going to turn on him mm. and obviously if Joe Hart makes a mistake they look ever so slightly in front as to whose fault it was they need to, but you they wouldn't need be starting him if they wanted to win the Premier League next season or indeed get to a quarter final. That's really the point. Where, where do, where do City Taylor isn't the man. Where does City go now in terms of uh, the transfer market this summer? There's at least one world class central defender. That's is that, that's kind of it. I mean, where else does this team need to strengthen? Maybe they need maybe they need yeah, more squad players back. Possibly, I know Kolarov and Klichy mm. are very good players but if there was a potential world class left back out there are they short of a dominating central midfielder like we've seen no, the absence of Torre and what that happens I mean maybe maybe not the guy who's going to sit back and anchor the midfield but someone that can drive forward from midfield like Rodwell obviously has been an absolute that's been a disastrous signing for a combination of reasons maybe they need someone that they can put well, in there when Torre's not around well I think as well you spoke about their results against the top teams one of the things that's been great about City in a way is that their games are brilliant to watch because they always let the other team yeah. play which has probably cost them against the better teams whereas Chelsea play two defensive midfielders City only ever really play with one so maybe if you want to succeed in Europe next season they need Fernandinho and another maybe, yeah. blocker somebody mm. who's just going to sit back and then in front of them you have Silva Nasri Toure Aguero and that is the key for them I'm sure they have somebody lined up the other question is is Aguero still there next season? Obviously, City don't need to sell him, but he has been linked with Barcelona. Lionel Messi's been in uh, the year of the president saying, I have an idea of a guy we should sign. This guy, Sergio Aguero, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Maybe we should go spend 40 million. Mm-hmm. If you're Aguero, maybe now is the time to make that move. Or perhaps... Well, in a World Cup year, it's kind of... Well, perhaps maybe, is, is it less it, likely? I don't know. Statistically, if it's any less likely, that I would presume so because you go to the World Cup and as Roy Hodgson pointed out a few weeks ago, I don't want my players... I don't want agents in the years of my players when they're at the World Cup talking about where they're going to go. So get that situation sorted out now. 
And I, I, if I was a player, we I would kind of assume that to be the case. Manchester City would actually ever sell a player of that quality. They don't need to. So yeah, well, it hasn't happened to them yet. Sure, it hasn't. I can't think of a player that they have been forced to sell, like Ronaldo or Nasri or Fabregas, for example. It hasn't happened since the money has arrived. It will happen someday when the money just becomes so great it's almost an irrelevance that Aguero will know that he can get similar money at Barcelona. So it'll be interesting to see who the flat first player is. Who is that first Cristiano Ronaldo where, or Gareth Bale? I want to leave. Okay, I've given you another season. Let me go. Will they desperately try and hold on to him or just pull the checkbook out and sign somebody else? Um, we did mention Julian Lescott it just strikes me in the conversation about uh, who's going to be at the, the uh, defense, yes. heart of that city defence and they have Nastasic as well who's certainly maybe just potential at the moment he's shown one or two really good things he hasn't had a good enough run on the team to really establish himself the injuries have ruined his season this time around but he's there as well but they do need someone beside company someone they need to pay a lot of money for also you would expect that the guys they signed last summer will move up to another level having had a season you're on about Dimichelis and settling in that Fernandinho who was brilliant I think in the first half of the season maybe in the game was the game against Liverpool he disappeared for most of the game wasn't really in it Um, that he'll improve he's going to Navas um, Negredo's done like Negredo for a large part for around Christmas for that chunk when Aguero was out missing scored a lot of goals okay he's faded since then did he? I, Did he I not kind score of score nine I, in Negredo. I kind Negredo of felt that Aguero scored were, nothing were, once Aguero became injured. That was my reflection. Yeah, well, that's the time Nathan's referring to. Up until December, Negredo and Aguero were when, just when Aguero was actually form. fit that he was scoring. It was that was the case when the two of them were up together. They were unstoppable. Yeah. You remember the performance they put in against Tottenham and against Arsenal at the Etihad Stadium. The two of them were just magical. But since then, since Aguero started to pick up those injuries, mm. Negredo has fallen off a cliff. Now he's had two injuries of his own to deal with. But since he's been back fit, they've only gone with one up front or Aguero and Jacko, and Negredo just seems to have fallen down the pecking order. I wonder, given that they can only sign one player in the January, in the summer transfer window, I mean, it has to be a central defender. Well, you mentioned Nastasic. He, his time could be now. He was be. the man at the start of the season. This would be just a real test of Pellegrini now, given that they have their very who do you much sign? hamstrung. Who, do you, who is the centre-back for them? I, the best young centre-back I've seen is this guy, John Stones. Mm. But... He's very similar to company. Yeah. They need the John Terry, Jamie Carragher type centre-back, the tough man, not the ball-playing centre-back. And plus you feel for a team like Manchester City of big ambitions that John Stones is probably a little bit early. I mean, early, even early in this season, he wasn't, you know, he's been almost risked to some degree in the Everton defence that it wasn't really... I think he needs more time under his belt, essentially, John Stones, if he's going to go to a club like Manchester City. Obviously, he would help the whole quota as well if John Stones was to go there. So that's it, their quotas, they... they the quota is that the uh, they can only sign one uh, foreign player. Well, that's it? no, it has nothing to do with the quota. That's the punishment that's been inflicted right, upon the them. FFP. The quota is that they still have to have eight um, home-produced guys in their squad, whether it's through their own academy or through the academy. So of this is club. part of the fifty million fine thing. Exactly part of the punishment, sure. and that they can only sign one guy. Yeah, if this uh, if this punishment is actually enacted and if UEFA follow through with this mm. it changes the entire dynamic of the transfer window mm. because City aren't spending as much money but also it means that they're going to have to keep the likes of Jack Rodwell yeah. maybe even bring Scott Sinclair back just yeah. to make up the numbers and it certainly helps the likes of Manchester United who are obviously going to be looking to spend a lot of money this summer when you don't have someone like City in the same pond that they can just trump you whatever you offer they can come in with a bigger figure United may not may not have to pay as much Uh it's kind of insane that they would say, you know, you can only sign one player. Like, that is just such a ridiculous thing to say because Ma- Manchester City's means, uh, their financial means, means that they can go and spend, like, whatever the hell they want to spend on this one player. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, they're better it off saying pu- you can only spend, 
like well, and the other point about it is that Manchester City can well. There's more than one way to skin a cat here. If they need to get a player in a certain position, they're going to find a way to do that. Whether it's a loan with a promise to a permanent deal thereafter, or whatever it's going to be. Well, I'm sure there'll be guys in the think house trying to come out with upper ways of of getting around it. But mm. at the same time. I mean, if given the way the city have bought their way to success, being told you can only sign one player is it's a pretty good punishment. Um, Fat Sam out. Uh, killing West Ham United was uh, how one banner read for uh, West Ham. It is West Ham who got to the Etihad with the task of trying to beat Manchester City uh, this Saturday. We'll be speaking to Stephen Reid on Sunday's programme. I'm interested to get, interested to get his thoughts uh, on Big Fat Sam because uh, he worked Maybe on the with Blackburn, uh, Blackburn Rovers. Well, if Stephen wants to get on that road, I'm kind of happy to facilitate that. Um, I mean, there's been bigger managers than him in the Premier League. I think calling him Fat Sam is offensive. But it's not entirely inaccurate. Is that what you're suggesting? But he's a big guy. Have you ever met Sam Allardyce? No. He's a yeah. He's he's barrel chested. I've seen yeah. him. I've seen him on the TV occasionally. For example, he, he reminds big. me of the physique of someone like Miguel Angel Jimenez. Big barrel chest in him. No one ever calls him big fat. Miguel. No, but hang on a second. Well, Miguel, uh, Barry, Miguel Angel Jimenez is he's definitely no more than six foot. Sam Allardyce must be six three. I wouldn't be that big, would he? Sam Allardyce could be. He, he's a big man. Yeah, he's a big right unit. beside him. But the, the, this goes back to the whole expectation thing at Upton Park. What exactly do these fans want? They're in the Premier League because of him. They've beaten Spurs, their, uh, their rivals, three times this se- in one season. Well, that saved them. I, I, I don't think it's any question you'll go in the summer after the win over Spurs. But as you say, what is, is their expectation? What do they they're want? They're 12th. They want some drama. Like they, wanted him sacked, they wanted him sacked in the autumn. They wanted him sacked in December as well when they were going through a bad run of games. And the board wisely stuck with him. Because if you've got Sam Allardyce as your manager, you don't get relegated. I've said this on the pod before. Mm. Ask Blackburn, ask Newcastle, ask Bolton. They've all got relegated in the years and he, after he got he them was promoted. And it's just clear as day, if you want to stay in this league, don't sack Sam Allardyce. And yet they want him out. And I guarantee you if they sack him, they'll be back in the Championship within three years. Uh, it depends on who they replace him with. Yeah, but they, who are, are they going, going to get? replace him somebody who's going to play attractive football who, who, who are these West Ham players that are suddenly going to play attractive football they're still going to have 15 million pound Andy Carroll up front all of a sudden uh, Andy we're just going to pass it into your feet we're not going to use the best attacking so get rid of him and get a few players who can play it in the ground I mean what are, what are they going to get for 15, 16 million from why would you get rid of Andy Carroll to get a couple of players who can play football and change your system. Andy Carroll can play football. Don't change your system. But, but like, if your point is, hang on a second. If your point is that the only football you can play with Andy Carroll up front is lump it up to him, and the West Ham fans want to see something else, but I don't think they do him. just lump it up to him. I saw West Ham a few weeks ago and Andy Carroll played, and okay, against Liverpool he was the target man. But they play some decent football around the middle of the field, and then obviously you use your asset and you attack and you try and get the ball into him in a dangerous position. But I'm looking at the bottom half of the table, and I don't see any team down there who play mm-hmm. attractive football the ones who possibly well, tried do. West Brom tried to Swansea do but I don't think their football is more attractive than West Ham's football well I've done I've only done one West Ham game this season it was a nil all draw at St Mary's it was one of the worst games I've ever seen and it was destroyed systematically destroyed by Sam Allardyce that day but I don't think I, from what I've seen of West Ham it's putrid to watch but if you want to be in the Premier League, I just think West Ham fans need to have this... Yeah, but hang on a second, right? You're going to make the point that West Ham... Sorry, make your point. The point is, that what league do you want to play in? Yeah. 
So I think there's a mistake made about West Ham in that, uh, and it's come up here over the last couple of weeks as well about West Ham, and they should just be delighted to be in the Premier League. Like West Ham's history is since war time up and down, yo-yo. Club. No, it's not. Of course, it's it not. Is. Look at them. In my they've, lifetime, they've been, they've been relegated been, five times. I'm going to dig out this stat for you once the pod is done, which is no use to our listeners, but it might come up <laughs> over the weekend. Um, since since post World War Two, I think West Ham have been relegated maybe five times since World War Two now. So we're talking about the last what, seventy, eighty years. That's like that's not a huge they've spent most of that time the the the, the spikes, the inverted spikes of them being in the lower divisions are brief. How many times have they been relegated in the last twenty years? At Me- least three. Yeah. But like five times That's a lot. But but I'm talking about their the tradition of, of West Ham, they shouldn't just be delighted to be in the Premier League because that's where they've been. They expect to be there. So they should they not certain- this is only, this is only is this the second season or third season since they've come up under Sam? But this is not a like this is not a this is the second season. The end so, of the second they're season. they're still re-establishing themselves. Mm. But also, you look at the top seven. They're never barring a freak season. They're never yeah. going to break in to that top seven while they're playing at Upton Park. Things may change very quickly if it all goes according to plan at the Olympic Stadium and they're selling it out every week and they're earning a huge amount of corporate money, then they may be able to is look that up likely? there. Is that likely no. that they're going to sell out the Olympic... What's the capacity of that? I think well, it's, it'll be, it's, been, it's been scaled 50, back, is it? isn't it? It's been scaled mm, back yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Olympic Stadium for, to be an all-purpose stadium after that. But I'm just, I can't, can't deviate from the point that I think West Ham fans should be happy with their lot for now. But maybe in two, three years' time, if they're still watching this kind of football, they're still mid-table, someone eventually is going to have to grow some ambition but for the moment given where they've come from I disagree is Newcastle my fans are in the uh, same boat ultimate theory there. and of course they're the other team that are involved in this title shake up yeah. on Sunday by the way one fan was uh, trying to sell his ticket for that Man City West Ham game online put it up for 950 quid on eBay got lambasted by a lot of other fans and then eventually put it on the buy it now option for three grand it was his season <laughs> ticket no he, he deleted his account yeah, I think because if he, if he got three grand for it I'd have to well, no, I'd be thinking about selling my press pass. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, somebody commented on it. Uh, the quote was "City over money," which seems pretty ironic given the uh, the club that they're currently supporting. Uh, but Nathan will be at the Etihad for off the ball on Sunday to keep an eye on Manchester City and West Ham. And Dave, you're off Tanfield. Yes. Liverpool against Newcastle. One of my favourite Premier League stadiums to commentate from. A very outside chance here. Yeah, well, given, and myself and Nathan have talked a lot about this over the last month or so, because between the two of us, we've covered nearly every Liverpool game in the last two months of the season. The atmosphere at Anfield has been phenomenal. I was there for the City and Tottenham games. The City game was the day that they were um, celebrating the anniversary of the, or marking the anniversary, the 25th anniversary of Hillsborough. So the atmosphere was a little bit different. It was really only when the ball was kicked off that it's going to reach fever pitch. But the Tottenham match two weeks previous to that was just off the scale. Unlike anything I'd ever experienced as a journalist at a Premier League ground, I can't imagine it'll be likewise this Sunday. Obviously, they'll be trying to do whatever they can to get behind the team to win the game because they have to, at the very least, maintain their side of the bargain, see what happens elsewhere. But it is a game that I think Liverpool will win. It doesn't really matter how they win it because, obviously, the goal difference thing is no longer a factor. But I'm looking forward to it. No matter what happens, it's been a phenomenal season for them. Um, You were at... Uh, Anfield on well, I was at Anfield. No, I was at Sellers Park. Park. I was at, Park. Park. I was at Anfield yeah. for the Chelsea game and I don't know if I mentioned this last week but the atmosphere when uh, Gerrard made the mistake and Demba Basque were the first goal and the way it changed the atmosphere never returned. Again, the, I've never 
spin at a ground with an atmosphere like it at kickoff at Anfield. But the second that goal went in, and this was the feeling I had throughout this run, that one little setback, and that was only one small setback. It was a goal just before halftime. You have 45 minutes to get back into it. That one setback would just become too much for them. And the fans, it reminded me of being at Crow Park as a Mayo supporter last September when Bernard Brogan got Dublin's second goal. Mayo were still only three points behind at the time, but every Mayo, you never heard from the Mayo fans again for the last 15 minutes because the feeling was just this one of resignation mm. of, I knew it would happen again. And that was the feeling with the Liverpool fans of, I knew something would go wrong. And yet they and still had the opportunity, obviously, on Monday to go and get oh, the win and put a, bit of, put a bit of pressure on. Again, I can't remember a football match. I, I, I was at Liverpool-Arsenal a few years ago, the 4-all, which in the end, it didn't cost Liverpool the title. It was a bit further it was, out. It was damaging. But though, yeah. it was hugely damaging. But at 3-0 up, you're sitting there thinking, this could easily be 6 or 7-0. Easily. Mm. Palace are on their holidays. And then, the second Damien Delaney got that goal, the stadium was literally shaking in that I was trying to record one of my pieces and the ISDM machine in front of me was shaking. They were just crazy, the uh, Crystal Palace I haven't supporters. been to Selhurst Park. Gary oh. Neville said it's the best ground in the Premier League. For atmosphere, it... They they never stopped singing, even when they were three 0 down. And the sec- once they got the second goal, you just knew. Now, there's a team who just to deviate from the Liverpool aspect of things to come back to the West Ham conversation that should just be happy with life in the Premier League and just crack oh, on with the fact that you're. But they are just happy not, with life. But they're, but they're actually playing some like you know Tony Pul- to talk about Tony Pulis' style at Stoke and how sort of you know putrid it was in many ways. But the fact that. Uh, Crystal Palace are actually playing a bit of uh, Crystal Pulis as it's been called are playing a bit of a passing game well it's not going to last because Tony Pulis is going to leave in the summer he certainly is this very is time has non-committal, non-committal when he was asked about it he's supposed to meet them once the Premier League season is done meet the board meet the chairman who he says he had a very difficult relationship when he arrived but it's certainly um, improved over the last few months but not to the point I think where he really wanted because he's always referencing Coates at the Britannia. Well, he said even always talking about the understand. wonderful relationship he had with him. And he rang him when he was about to take the Crystal Palace job to get his feelings on it. He also rang, as everyone else does, rang Alex Ferguson <laughs> to what what his opinion was on taking the Palace job. But I think if Tony, if you're Tony Pulis, you're looking at this thinking maybe the, now is the time to go. My stock has never iron, been the higher. The iron will never be hotter than it is for mm. Tony Pulis right now. He could get if he got the Newcastle job. That would seem like a decent job. fit, wouldn't it? I mean, Alan Pardew's been kind of talking about the idea that... Um, you we know, could see a swap there, Pardew go back to Crystal Palace. We well, need, Newcastle we need... are another one of these clubs that have notions of grandeur in terms of the football that they have supposedly well, again, played historically. Uh, would they want to see Tony Pulis arriving up there or David Moyes, for example? I think at this point they've, sure they would. they've had enough of Pardew. I think they're kind of happy enough to see whoever's going to... Again, uh, you think the only stability that has been at that club for the last four years has been Alan Pardew. Yeah, and at times has been on the verge of Champions League football. And, exactly. Uh, like they finished, was it 16th last season? Well, that's why Pulis should get out now. comfortable for the entire season almost. Certainly since November, they've been comfortable at Newcastle. It's again a case of what are you expecting? Your owner sells every good player your manager buys or develops. So I don't know what Pardew is expected to be producing. Well, football management is such a bizarre situation in that you have a successful season, you raise expectations so high that if you don't live up to these unrealistic expectations, then you get the sack and the fans want rid of you. Well, like that's what happened with Chris Hewton. Well, look, let's learn a lesson here from the game football manager. Unless you go to the board and say to them, I want to qualify for Europe, you're not going to get the funds needed to... Uh... Are you still managing Dagenham and Redbridge? No, I've moved on to a team. I haven't done it in a few days. I got sacked by Southampton, actually. I had two and a half seasons at Southampton. I'd done really well. 
Brought in a few players. I bought Seamus Coleman. Were they middle? Seamus Coleman agreed to move? Yeah, well, the terms were good. The terms were, you know, I had to sort of press a few buttons with the board to try and coax a few extra quid out of Did them. you buy the right kind of player? Middle class? Southampton yeah, he's got players. a good good background, you know. He wasn't brought up in Milton Keynes, like, you know, a lot of the other guys with a sort of middle class uh, background, but, um, yeah, What's but we, we were doing Keynes? quite well. But I got sacked. I finished seventh twice, two, two seasons in a row with Southampton, which I think is pretty acceptable. And then one season I finished four. I was fourteenth, middle of the season. Got called in. Expectations. Got called in. You've been sacked. Go find yourself a new gig. What was your severance deal like? It wasn't great. It was just a very, uh, very brief. The rest of the season. Yeah. Oh no, no, gone. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I do so worry I'm at, now. That I'm in League Two with because the Adrian is playing Football Manager. It's influencing his uh, pod discussions. Yes. Yeah. Well, everything I mean everything is... I do. Yeah. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I would have been an expert on uh, the Skrill Premier League. I think it's called the. Uh, first, the top flight of the non-league football divisions. The conference. Um, and I'm in League 2 at the minute, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, was a Skrill, Skrill Premier? Did, they, did you ever have... Uh, changes nearly every year. Did you ever have Cherno Samba back in the day? I don't recall. Oh my God, I hate it. Cherno Samba's legendary figure in football manager. He used to play for Millwall. So I used to sign him, whoever I was managing, I would sign him straight away. He was 16. And he would score a bucket full of goals. And then he'd get called up by England when he was 17. And I remember he scored a hat-trick in a match I was playing... Could have been cup final, scored a hat-trick, took him off with like three minutes remaining. Mm. So he could get the round of applause and get the adulation. What does he do? Slaps in a transfer request because he was taken off. He wasn't having been substituted. Part of my problem with Southampton was that, uh, so you spend a few years building up these teams. So like Adam Lallana, for example, who's in 25 now, like he's on the brink of 30 and he's gone past his prime. So then like you need to have a decent knowledge of the guys who are currently... 17 or 18 if you're going to build a team around them and then I mean ultimately you end up at a team if you're at it long enough full of players who you don't have a clue who they are and it just kind of loses interest a little bit Well this really has been five minutes of <laughs> podcast magic that I'm sure our listeners will be very grateful for Gold I think Let's go right. back to the real world uh, Liverpool against uh, Newcastle actually uh, not entirely unrelated because uh, some stories this week that Liverpool are going to buy Adam Lallana in the summer for 20 million quid and I kind of wonder um, you boys have seen a good bit of Liverpool this season where does Adam Lallana fit into that Liverpool system? You know, I'm not quite sure because he would be in sort of an advanced midfield role, which has been pretty much done very well by the likes of Philip Coutinho this season. Um, Joe Allen has certainly come into his own over the last couple of months. Jordan Henderson has had a brilliant season. Maybe it's looking at Stephen Jarrett and where he's going on the role that he's going to be playing. I do think that wouldn't be a necessarily be a done deal. I think they'll have to get in the queue to sign Adam Lallana yeah. because the United and Arsenal will probably almost certainly be interested. But if you're Adam Lallana, surely now you're looking at it and thinking, well, maybe I would have gone to Manchester United, but there's no European football there. Liverpool are in a far better position than Arsenal. And you look at Liverpool's preferred starting living at the moment and it's hard to see where Lalana would fit in yeah. to that but they're going to be playing Champions League football they do need player, more players I don't know it'll be an interesting one I do think he's the kind of guy that will I would hope that he'll succeed wherever he goes I do recall Charlie Adam just being unplayable at times for Blackpool Liverpool chasing him for 18 months and when he arrived never happened I'm not putting Lalana in the same boat yeah. but I hope that he, he will succeed he can play in the wing as well of course that's the other uh, the other option but he's been so impressive for Southampton uh, through the middle perhaps this season might be a touch of madness maybe a bit of a risk from a Liverpool point Liverpool of view Liverpool should sign Morgan Schneiderlin if they're going to sign somebody from Southampton he's the guy they should buy and they need him where? a defensive a def- mid- a, as a defensive midfielder in place of Steven Gerrard well maybe alongside Steven Gerrard maybe play 4-2-3-1 or something Steven Gerrard cannot play Liverpool's back four are rightly being criticised but the problem is there's nothing in front of them protecting them at all and Gerrard is going to be several months older next season maybe 34 is he you look at 
Matic, Fernandinho, these are brilliant, athletic, quality holding players and that is the one thing Liverpool are missing so that's that's what they have to go after but presumably he's going to abandon else. that plan in the the Gerard defensive plan does Gerard still have the the ability the legs to play that at more See, advanced I role I don't think Gerard plays as a defensive midfielder he he hangs around there but the reason he plays him back there is and the reason he made the mistake against Chelsea is that he can pick up the ball come deep pick up the Start ball things from off there. the centre back and he's facing forward all the time and just look and of course, it worked against Palace for well, you would that hope that sensational it, ball for Brennan the second Rogers goal. Brennan Rodgers won't but... change the way he wants his Liverpool team to play because the manner in which they've lost this title. Because it would t- detract hugely from the Premier League, I think. They've but he's, so also, he's also proven to be pretty flexible with the way... You know, he has his, he has had his vision when he came in about death by football. Did he want mm. to pass, pass teams to death? Realise he didn't have the players. Presumably, he'll sit down over the summer and think, OK, maybe next season we don't have the players to play. And also, you get found out. Teams over the summer will figure out how to play against Liverpool. He needs to reinvent the wheel some way, change things ever so slightly, and presumably with the money they're going to have and the fact they're playing Champions League football. Maybe Adam Lallana, the reason they want to sign him is that he doesn't fit into their current system, that he wants to change it and have a different type of player. Um, He's an Everton supporter as well, Adam Lallana, uh, which may be a bit of a block in terms of that boyhood you know, Liverpool Jamie support. Uh, Everton, Tom Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, any number of guys. Was Stephen really? Gerrard? Was Stephen Gerrard? Well, I think he was. There is that infamous photo where he's got the full Everton really? kid on standing beside the league championship trophy in 1984 and six. They won the league, was it? So he um, he has previous. Uh, very good. That's a Liverpool... Actually, that was Liverpool-Newcastle we were previewing there. Uh, which kind of well, went we, off in a couple of tangents. Into um, but I presume we're, we're round table uh, Liverpool. Two home wins, here. Liverpool and City. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah, two home wins. What I would like is that with 10 minutes left, one goal could change it all. So that it's maybe one all between City and. It's lacking a bit of drama. Are trying, City are trying to kill it off. They're going, mm. okay, we'll just pass the ball around for the last 10 minutes and then West Ham get a corner with the very last kick. And at least it keeps going. What could happen is City are 3 0 up after 20 minutes and. Or it's City lose and Liverpool concede an injury time equaliser to Newcastle United. <laughs> that might cost them the title. That'd be an interesting one. Um, There's all sorts of possible dramas that could take place on the final day if you're listening to Off the Ball. Yes, I'm convinced. You've convinced me, lads. Uh, well, you're going to be presenting, so I hope Southampton uh, United, yeah. Uh, Southampton United, uh, Van Hal, it seems he late in the week, has agreed terms with United and he's going to lead Holland, obviously, at the World Cup. And then he's going to take over at Old Trafford and apparently Ryan Giggs is kind of happy to remain at the club in some sort of uh, capacity and there's an acceptance that United, there's some sort of a rebuilding job to be done um, at United. But the question, I suppose, whether that's a small garden shed-sized uh, rebuilding job or actually something bigger needed definitely something bigger needed but uh, a lot of the work will be done over the phone with Van Hal I would suggest with Ed Woodward pulling the strings and trying to find the guys they've identified to bring in and Van Hal will just give a yay or a nay but uh, in ter- he will just be arriving after the Dutch are out of the World Cup which could be well into July it's not ideal I don't think they're going to have a great pre-season I'd be worried and I'd be worried from this Sunday as well I think they'll be beaten on Sunday because they were been really poor at times against Norwich won the game 4-0 but they were dreadful in the first half yeah. they were shockingly bad against Sunderland I did that game I haven't seen wide players play as poorly for United in 25 years as Young and Nanny did it was abysmally bad and then against Hull Hull had chances as well in that game they only beat them 3-1 the young guy getting two goals this game is almost an irrelevance in terms of the big picture for them but Southampton are back playing well and I think they will beat them on Sunday United just want the season to be over yeah. all the players want to get out of there and 
just try and clear it from their memories kind of men in black style thing between now and the World Cup that this never happened and try and regain some confidence I'm still unsure about this rebuilding task in the summer as to how many players they will actually sell because if you sell eight or nine now obviously Vidic is definitely going Ferdinand Evra may leave as well so you got to buy pretty much a whole well, new Well the buying defense. is far more important than the selling how many players to clear out that's one debate but it's more important each player that comes in needs to be far better than the players currently there These got if they find five players in the summer they have to be five guys that will walk straight into the starting 11 but do well, we not I then don't know, I mean, there isn't there isn't the requirement to fill a whole defence and so like if you buy somebody who's like if you buy some cover in defence obviously Johnny Evans is uh, well uh, you have if you want you have Smalling, Jones, Smalling, Evans yeah. well I think they'll sign two fullbacks. I think Seamus Coleman and Luke Shaw might well be at Old Trafford next season. They need to sign at least one brilliant midfielder, if not two, and then maybe an attacker. So that'll be your five players. But they have to be five very good players who are ready to start. Well, that and then the problem is, are you in October and the players still haven't gelled? But at least, I suppose, at least with that, there's a plan. And there's, you know, like, we're three or four months into this thing. These players are going to take time to get together. And it might be next season before uh, Manchester United are back, I suppose, challenging for... The Premier League time, but at least there's the presence. The season? Sorry, the season after that, but at least there's a presence of a plan, you know, because it was never really the feeling with David Moyes that you know his big summer signing uh, was never really the guy that was going to kick things on for them. And there won't be a huge amount of pressure on Van Hal. He just needs to finish fourth. That's all he has to do Ooh. in his first season. Oh, fourth would be so success. I would have thought. This is what I wonder: is, is fourth going to be success? I or think it are is. we at a stage where the next few United managers can't be thinking about eighteen months down the line that if it starts badly for Van Hal that again the pressure comes on there's leaks from inside the club that maybe some of the class of 92 are still hanging around and if they're third or fourth Van, in the league they will be okay I think and they, they just need to play Champions League football and, and that would have sufficed for David Moyes as well if they'd finished fourth everyone would have thought not a bad season go for season two he's not going to stand for the same level of shit that Moyes put up with basically he's not Absolutely. going to hang around for the class of 92 of to have pot shots at him they will be out that door they might be out that door but Perhaps keeping your enemies closer might be the better option Well, I don't think the likes of Skulls and Butt, Phil Neville, will ever be enemies for Lou Van Hal. Giggs could be, because a lot of people have him fingered as being one of the great United managers in years to come. The other three, get rid of them, I would say, and just don't have them hanging around the place, if you think they're going to be a problem. Skulls could obviously bring a huge amount to the club, but I don't think Van Hal will have any qualms about selling fellas, you're not wanted around here anymore, and then telling Alex Ferguson as well, you're not wanted around here. Don't want to see you at the games, don't want to see you at the training ground, you're done. <laughs> Good luck at that conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. Alex, could you come up to my office there? Uh, do you want to have a quick word? Quick word. Yeah, Alex, listen, it's already working out. Please Thanks leave. for everything you've done at the club. Uh, could presence, you piss off for a couple of years? His presence is undermining the management. Have it last. Have it last. Surely, if Van Hal is the man to manage Manchester United, nobody will undermine you. That you have the ego and you have the confidence in yourself mm. that you're fine to see Alex Ferguson sitting there. He pulls down his pants in front of Ferguson and says, "I've got the balls to do what I want at this club." <laughs> as the old story goes about him, um, that's Southampton against United. I'm kind of expecting a Southampton win here. I have to go with uh, I think I. Dave. That was the I'll your go suggestion. Manchester United. It doesn't matter, lads. We'll never come back to this again. Uh, let's just quickly wrap up. Uh, it's teary-eye time around, uh, around the table here. Let's quickly wrap up across the other matches um, on Sunday. By the way, I should have mentioned as well, Manchester, uh, Liverpool and uh, Newcastle is our live game and off the ball this Sunday at Anfield. Dave, you'll be there alongside Kevin Caban. Yeah, looking forward to it. We'll also hear from John Aldridge as well before kick-off. It's going to be a, an action-packed afternoon between the Etihad and Anfield. Arsenal close out their season at uh, relegated Norwich. Well, you know... 
Norwich win 10 nil and West Brom lose 9 nil. Relegated Norwich. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I think we're all fully expecting... Well, uh, Arsenal have the cup final. I'm pretty certain it's going to be a second string Arsenal side that will play Norwich. One final flourish. Still Might too good, I would have thought. Norwich were very good against Chelsea. If they are willing to dig in like they did at Chelsea, they'll get something from the game. But I'll, I'll, I'll go for a draw. And presumably not uh, Arsene Wenger's final game in charge of Arsenal. He'll be... Kind of, he's he's, no, he's given some indication that he's going to be around. But I think actually, he'll be there next season. Yeah, I would feel so as well. Nathan, you've kind of hinted that you're perhaps feeling that maybe he's... If I uh, no, read I, you right over I, the last couple of weeks... I think he will still be there. I don't think... You're not a big, you're not a big Wenger. No, lot of, you're I, not I, a big I lo- Wenger man. I, for years, I've loved Wenger. Uh, but it's just gone, the love's so gone cold. stale. I was just saying to Gary Breen when we were at the match on, last Sunday, like, Emirates is such a nice stadium. It's a nice part of London... The food is nice. Everything is nice. People go out at half time for their nice half time food and never bother returning for the yeah. second half. It's not an intimidating place to go. And that's just reflected in in Wenger and his starting eleven. They need a change. They need somebody to come in and put a little bit of pressure on the players. Won't happen though. No, it won't. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham Aston Villa at uh, White Hart Lane. Villa have been a bit of a shambles this season. Paul Lambert himself actually, he's been sort of quoted today. Almost, it kind of seemed as if it was a well, kind of clearly directed at the board, but he's under pressure uh, for his own job, and it would seem a parting of the ways there might actually. If I was the Aston Villa both. board, I would be getting rid of him. He's brought nothing to Aston Villa. Well, there They've was a sense earlier in the season that earlier in the season there was a sense that there was some young players coming through, and actually, well, these are the, the young Paul Lambert plan in the Commons kept them up last up. season. Exactly, they'll be they'll come on so much for their mm. experience of last season hasn't happened. I'm going to go for a Tottenham win. Well, I think we, last Saturday, myself, yourself and Jer, we pretty much sorted out Aston Villa's problems. We're going to get in new American owners, going to get a new manager in. Two billionaires ready to go. Yeah, and uh, just get... You Aston. had this conversation three years ago, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree fully with the whole Paul Lambert thing. I think he's just such a dour individual that he doesn't inspire any confidence in from the supporters at all. I think Spurs are going to win this 7-2. <laughs> he's definitely taking the idea of uh, mad predictions to uh, no, the extreme there last day of the season there's all final day craziness big scores Villa Tim Sherwood was the last game in charge might be a little clamour for him to stay if they have a big victory no they won't the will from these parts if your parts the biggest team <laughs> supporters uh, Tottenham win for me there West Brom Stoke I'm going to go for West Brom here Stoke for me Troll and Sunderland a Swansea I think is the final game we have to get to an interesting meeting of two different managers uh, not a huge amount on the line both of them are pretty much safe here and I'll probably go with the best that uh, Sunderland can now breathe a sigh of relief and probably relax a little bit I'm going to go for a Swansea victory there Sunderland I Sunderland I think Poyet should be on the podium when it comes to manager of the year behind Pulis and Rodgers who are uh, Chelsea playing on Sunday? We skip by Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea. It's a hugely important match. Are off to uh, Cardiff. Chelsea with the possibility to come second. Actually, we've missed a load of games. Uh, the possibility to come second. We're going for Chelsea there, Dave. Yeah, Chelsea for me. Nathan. Chelsea. Fulham against uh, Crystal Palace. I think Draw. Palace will sign off. A big win. We're going to go with Dave on that one. A win, certainly in some variety. And Hull City up against Everton at the KC Stadium. Everton. Everton Hull of more than one eye in the cup, I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously we're going to be covering every game though on Sunday. We're not just going to forget. Right across the board from one o'clock off the ball this Sunday, and this is the point of the week and the podcast where uh, somebody who's bothered to do some work plays a little highlights reel from uh, all the great stuff that we've had over the last year. But as as we're doing George Bushnell, you only have to do the last seven or eight since I arrived. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it at all. So you can uh, just imagine that, or if you'd be bothered, go back and listen to it over the last few weeks. Highlights, Dave, Nathan. 
Cheers, Adrian. Pleasure. Well, we